I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the Gig'em 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls. It's been a it's been a busy week on the, the Texas A&M front. New running backs coach, Texas A&M. Uh, finalized that on, on Monday. So that was, that was certainly big to get that done before spring ball. Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC in 2024. That announcement came last, last, last week, and that certainly brings – a lot of discussion as well, and and we'll certainly dive into that and and plenty more. Carter, how you doing? First week on the on the beat. Doing great, man. No one's been too mean to me yet, so I uh, can't <laughs> complain. I got to tell you, you got one of the uh, the better basketball games of the season last week to start off with 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 Texas A and M and Auburn, and that certainly wasn't a a bad way to start. And then A and M comes out of the gates firing as well against against LSU and, and goes on a massive run. I'd, I'd say that's a pretty good start. It is. No one can blame me for anything yet. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, I mean, that Auburn game, I was tweeting it during the game. It was one of the best college basketball games I've seen all year. Like, it was just so up and down. Guys diving on the floor. Guys getting in fights, techs. It was all <laughs> you want in a, in a basketball game. It was a lot of fun and a huge win for the Aggies. They're now today. Uh, 10 seed on Joe Lenardi's uh, new bracketology. It's the first time they have really been out of the the bubble conversation. I mean, they're still kind of in it, um, and, and other websites don't all have them in just quite yet. But when it comes to ESPN's bracketology, um, they're out of you know uh, last four in. They're out of first four buys uh, or last four buys, however you say it. But uh, they're they're out of that kind of woods and so um they've got a lot of opportunities left and, and could keep moving up so it'll be interesting they've got they've got kind of everything in front of them it seems like and i'll tell you one of the best moments of last week was was buzz williams high stepping down the sideline to try to call a timeout late in the game <laughs> to avoid a a jump ball that was that was for those those watching go look at behind buzz williams is basically running in front of the ref trying to get a timeout call and I think he's he's kind of looking around thinking what are you doing and we'll we'll certainly dive into a lot of that that bubble talk but got to start on the uh on the football side Marco Blackwell announced or not announced yet but uh Gigum 24/7 confirmed on Monday has been hired as the new running backs coach replacing Tommy Robinson and got to be honest my my first reaction was this is a pretty pretty good high when when Tommy Robinson's contract wasn't renewed I was a bit skeptical about that given he had done a pretty good job with Isaiah Spiller and Devon Achain 
But to be able to bring in Blackwell as a as a replacement, help guide Ole Miss to the number three rushing offense in the country last season, did great work with Gwynshawn Junkins, especially. Um, your first reaction when you kind of saw that news? First reaction was, well, this isn't a guy who has a troubled past, but he's also a guy who is a guy that beat Jimbo. It's it's become like a new theme where you look at Bobby Petrino, Steve Adazio, DJ Durkin, and now Mark Blackwell. They have all uh, had experience playing Jimbo. They've had experience beating Jimbo. Uh, so just kind of a funny trend. Uh, but, I mean, really, you look through his past and – um, has a pretty good track record. He's developed a lot of good running backs like Kareem Hunt, like Quinshawn Junkins, uh, and, and he's got the recruiting ties in the areas that you'd want. He's spent time in Florida as a high school coach. He was a quarterback for USF. Uh, he's coached at Florida. He's coached at USF. And then he spent three years coaching under Dana Holgerson at the University of Houston, has experience recruiting in Houston, in Texas, uh, and, and obviously in Florida as well. And, you know, he hasn't stayed at one place for very long. He, this will be his sixth place in the last nine seasons. But you, you see some of the recruiting prowess there. You know, la- last class he landed a guy at running back who was a top 200 running back for 247 sports and was a guy that was verbally committed uh, to Michigan State, um, and that was uh, – I'm blanking on his name, uh, but he was uh, – Kedrick uh, Roscano, yep, that's it. Yeah, that, yeah, Kedrick Roscano. And and, um, and even back at Houston, he landed uh, Alton McCaskill, who ended up having an amazing freshman season for the Cougars, and he was a guy who had uh, Division One Power Five offers from a lot of, of, of great programs. So – um, he hasn't like quite shown, I think that would be the biggest question. What will he be like as a recruiter? But he inherits a pretty good situation at running back. You got Amari Daniels, you got Le'Veon Moss, and obviously the five-star incoming freshman, uh, Ruben Owens. So, um, but he has a high standard to, to meet. I mean, Tommy Robinson, as he mentioned, developed Devon A. Chain, developed Isaiah Spiller, recruited LJ Johnson, uh, Ruben Owens, I mean, two five-star studs, and, and then obviously guys like Moss and, and Daniels. So pretty high bar to, to reach there, uh, and I think a lot of it will be contingent on how Adazio works. I mean, pretty bad season last season. Can he bounce back? And then yep. will Prino work out? So a lot, lot kind of uh, weighing on this. Now, Dad, I think you brought up a great point about, you know, Jimbo Fisher loves to kind of go to that, that angle of hiring guys that, that maybe beat him in the past and who he's kind of coached again, that seems to be kind of a trend of, of guys that he's gone against, maybe had trouble with. And um, that certainly goes for, for Bobby Petrino, Steve Adazio. And it was brought up on both guys and um, the case again with, with Blackwell, one of the keys for me and, you know, just talking to people around the DFW area, I think this is going to be key too, is, Tommy Robinson was really, really well liked in the DFW area. And so that's going to be key. You know, the DeSotos, the Duncanvilles, South Oak Cliff, some of those schools, Lancaster, that was Tommy Robinson's area. And so whether that is Blackwell or that's somebody else now, 
somebody's going to have to kind of pick up that void because there was a lot of disappointment when I talked to sources about Tommy Robinson leaving about what that was going to mean for for DFW recruiting. And so um, that's another key area where where he's assigned and, and what areas he's going to take. Obviously, as you mentioned, has some some background at Houston and, and some in-state some in-state ties. And so um, I think it's it's as good as you could as you could really ask for. And, and you know, it is a high bar, but. I think if if you look at Tommy Robinson versus Blackwell, you're at least coming out even in terms of what they were able to do last year. Obviously, expectations are high. He's got to be able to do it at at Texas A and M. But um, you know the 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 history of of developing players is certainly there and and good hire overall. Like you said, it's refreshing when when Bobby Petrino was hired and when Steve Adazio was hired, and and even DJ Durkin had to deal with some of the questions and 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 some of that. I think it's also entertaining how, how Jimbo keeps going back to Ole Miss as well. I don't think we've necessarily seen a, a Lane Kiffin tweet yet, but, uh, you know, starting with DJ Dirk and then Marcel Reed, now Marco Blackwell. I think it's it's kind of an entertaining storyline to just watch. He keeps going to, to Ole Miss to kind of poach guys from, from Lane Kiffin. Uh, but that, that isn't the only big news on the football side. The past week or so, there was uh, reports late last week and and confirmed by by the SEC and Texas and OU that they will now be joining the conference in 2024. And for me, one of the big questions now become what ha- what happens on the scheduling model. I think that's going to be the the question that's going to get answered over the next uh, couple of months. Do they go to eight nine games? That certainly seems to be what what everybody kind of believes. And then how do things work out with the permanent rivals? Um, I guess what what was your kind of reaction when you saw that news? News was let's go. This is awesome. Uh, Texas and OU joined the SEC. I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about it. I know there's a lot of caution from Aggie fans like, you got to play these guys again. Uh, they're in the SEC. Come on. But for me, I- I'm thinking this from a pure football perspective of, perspective of wow, we're getting an awesome rivalry back. We're, we're going to see some incredible games here uh, again and in College Station and in Austin between these two schools. Um, and what, what I'll say about the scheduling model, there's been really two discussed um, for the most part, the 366 model and the 177. So, you know, you either have three permanent opponents or one, and then you rotate with either six or seven. Uh, seems like the 366 makes the most sense because you want to keep you know, a lot of a lot of schools have a couple rivals, right? Like, you, if you go to one seven seven, you're going to immediately take away so many great rivalries. I think of LSU; their rivalries with pretty much everybody. You know, you'd be taking yeah. away so many rivals from them. And from A and M's perspective, you're obviously going to want to play Texas. They're going to play Texas, no doubt about it. But to add the other two, that's kind of the conversation: who will be the other permanent opponents? And to me, I feel like you can't always get what you want in this process. There's so many agendas, so many uh, things going on and things to consider. I mean, I can, I can remember covering the same, same thing at Florida State. They moved to a 3-5-5 model, and they were, their fans were mad because, you know, they got Clemson like they wanted. They got Miami like they wanted. But they wanted Georgia Tech, but they got Syracuse. So, you know, there are um, – you're not always going to get what you want. So in my mind, they're probably going to get Texas. 
And then I would assume they'll get either LSU or Arkansas. And then that third one, my gut feeling tells me they're going to get some random school that A&M fans are like, really? Got to play them? Probably one of the yeah. Mississippi schools because they're close by. Maybe they throw Missouri in there because, oh, the, the Big 12 thing. And, you know, we don't know who to give Missouri to. Or there, there's some teams where I know the SEC is probably thinking, what do we do with Vanderbilt? <laughs> what do we do yeah, with what do- <laughs> And so, you know, you could get mixed up with one of those. Uh, but to expect Texas, Arkansas, and LSU, I mean, that would probably be the ideal scenario. But I don't, I don't know. Th- things don't work out that beautifully for a t- at school uh, normally. So that's kind of my thought. I think there's a lot of schools in the SEC that are kind of rooting. They're going to get Vanderbilt as the <laughs> as the as the third opponent, the permanent opponent. I think Mississippi State's a good call, and you know Jimbo Fisher did kind of you know, make raise make some waves last at the at SEC Media Days last year when he mentioned a uh, Texas, LSU, and Mississippi State as as their three permanent rivals, and then kind of came out and the school has clarified that that wasn't necessarily set in stone yet, but that was kind of one of the model models that, that they've seen. But I think that gives you an, an indication at least of, of what a, a three team or what, who, who could be A&M's three permanent rivals. My, my reaction, at least from the recruiting perspective is, well, one, we already know regardless of where the game is being played. Obviously Ross Bjork has said that, that game's going to be played in College Station in 2024. We've found our biggest weekend of biggest recruiting weekend of the of the year, and it's going to be whenever whenever Texas and A and A and M play. I can guarantee you that recruiting section is going to be absolutely packed with just about every top target you can possibly imagine, uh, which is an awesome opportunity for A and M if that can take place at Kyle field on Thanksgiving weekend, a month before signing day, that's a huge opportunity. And, you know, if you go to the nine game model, you look at the game against LSU or whoever else A&M plays, there's just going to, and I think this goes to your point as well, instead of playing, you know, kind of a buy game or uh, whoever that would be, this is going to provide some great recruiting weekends, some great opportunities for some great matchups. And, you know, you're going to see, Georgia come to Kyle Field. That's obviously one of the, been one of the issues with with the past scheduling model. You know, you're still going to get Alabama coming. You're going to get Florida. You're going to get Oklahoma coming to Kyle Field at some point. You know, A and M traveling to Norman. You're just going to get some huge weekends, and A and M is going to have the chance to play in front of a lot of their top targets. And and it's I think it's going to be beneficial on the recruiting front just to be able to have quite a few more big weekends. I think my my biggest my biggest thing though is is this also puts a lot of heat on Jimbo Fisher and Steve Sarkeesian, I think, both heading into big years already. The fact that this move to the SEC is come for Texas and Oklahoma is coming in 2024, I think kind of raises the heat on both coaches who who administrations were kind of looking at to take a big step forward anyway. I think this definitely kind of raises the stakes a little bit. Absolutely. Going back to what you said, uh, it's unbelievable that uh, Georgia hasn't played at Kyle Field. It's been twelve yeah. years. What the heck? Like how? How can you have a model? How do you? Make, how does that happen? Unbelievable. And what'll be great is under those models we discuss, 
every player who is with the program for four years will have been able to go to every single venue in the SEC. Yeah. There's 16 teams. That That's brilliant, those two models. I just can't imagine they do the two-division thing, the east-west thing. I can't imagine they do 177. Those aren't good models. Yeah. 366 is the way to go. That That's what I'm hoping for. And, um, yeah, those, those – I keep thinking about that first A&M Texas game at Kyle Field. I mean, I feel like we will be witnessing a historic event. Honestly, I, I think it will be one of the greatest games ever played at Kyle Field from like an excitement and an anticipation perspective. The last one I can remember that was like that was when Alabama came to A&M in 2013, right after Johnny Manziel's Heisman winning year. I, I think I still remember the date. I think it was September 4th, 2013. That's how big of a game that game was. So. I think this will be yet another one that people mark on their calendars and literally talk about for an entire year leading up to it. It'll be awesome. No doubt. It's going to be the buildup, you know, throughout the summer. And, you know, we'll see when the SEC does release the schedule. Obviously, they've done it kind of early fall the past couple of years. If they do that again, you're going to have almost a year's buildup of whenever that that game against Texas is going to be. And and I, I agree with you on the especially on the three, six matchup uh, on the three, six model, because if you go to one, seven, look at Alabama, for example, and their, their permanent opponents, are you going to pick Auburn? Are you going to pick, you know, obviously Auburn's going to be the one, but then you lose the matchup against Tennessee. And that's, that's obviously a game that means a lot to both of those fan bases. And so you're right. You're not going to get everything. And, and so there's going to be no perfect model, but at least you're going to be playing schools every other year. So, you know, there's it's going to be kind of fascinating. I think we're going to get some some more answers on that in the, in the coming months. Now that this this is is kind of settled and and the SEC and both conferences know when they're going to be um, joining, so it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch. And and I completely agree with you. That first game at Kyle Field is going to be absolutely nuts. So we're going to and talk a little hoops after the after the morning. Yeah, go ahead. It's September 14th. That was wrong. I don't even remember my dates anymore. It was September 14th, um, Alabama A&M, that, that classic game. Yeah, that's a, it, it was, it, it's the game that was the memory, right? It was, it was when, whenever it kind of took place the moment it, it was, it was an awesome kind of environment and, and game overall. So it, um, we got that clarified though, for, for all those who are going to come in the comments and say something. So we're going we're gonna to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little more A&M hoops. Obviously, they've got a big game coming up against Arkansas this weekend, a big road game against Missouri on Saturday. So stick with us. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. 
The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Gig'em 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls. Carter, uh, one of the big things I think that's getting lost in the shuffle, there's been so much focus on the, the bubble conversation. A&M is an outside chance right now of, of playing for a conference championship in a couple weeks as well. And, you know, what do you what do you make of, of where kind of A&M sits? So two games back of Alabama, obviously get Alabama at Reed Arena in a couple weeks. I think that's kind of getting lost in the shuffle maybe a little bit depending on how things go with Alabama obviously a lot needs to go right but that's kind of been one of the things that's been brewing for me over the past couple of days is is this team really could be playing for a conference championship in a couple of weeks yeah I'm kind of thinking forget bubble watch this this team could yeah. get a five seed with the way they're playing right now like this is unbelievable yeah. to see how different of a team this team is this you know, February and, and and January run that they've had. I think they've won 12 of their last 14 games. So, yeah, yeah you watch the Alabama-Auburn game last Saturday, and you're thinking, if Alabama loses this game, A&M controls their destiny. I mean, they're really one Bama yeah. loss away from that. And, uh, you know, you look at these last six games for A&M, and they can't really suffer a bad loss. Like, unless they have a real tough stretch here, it's hard for me to imagine that they're going to get knocked out of the tournament. They're too good to lose a lot of games. The only, like, non-quad one game is a game at Ole Miss, and it's quad two. So, like, you can't really suffer a terrible loss, quad three, quad four, but before the end of this regular season. And then you got five quad one games on the schedule. You got Arkansas at home. You're at Missouri, Tennessee, and Bama at home, and you also have uh, at Mississippi State. All quad one games. You win three of those. I mean, my goodness! Like this team. Uh, you know, we, we talk about a conference championship, but just realistically, you could look at it and say, okay, this team could get a seven seed. This team could get a six seed, depending on how many games they win and what they do in the SEC tournament. You know, the top four spot in the SEC is a big one because that gets you a double buy in the SEC tournament. Well, now they've got a two-game lead at second with six games left. It's hard to imagine they won't be top four. That's kind of the floor you're thinking, okay, they could be top four, top three, top two. Yeah. The ceiling you're thinking, Bama just slips up. A&M last game of the season at home. Wow, what, what an atmosphere that will be. But – Bama's pretty good. It's I don't know if they're going to slip up. I mean, watching yeah. them, the only game that puzzled me was the OU game where they, they just got clobbered. But beyond that, they've been the best team in the country this year. No doubt. And you, and you look, and, it, and you know, the opportunity for me is I kind of looked at their schedule. They've got home games left against Arkansas and, and Auburn. And those on paper – you know, you you certainly give the advantage to Alabama. They got to go to Tennessee on Wednesday night, and uh, that's going to be kind of the interesting one of of Alabama, Tennessee, and then obviously you'll have A and M and Arkansas playing. You know, where the conference picture kind of looks coming out of Wednesday night, I think will 
we'll give an, a lot of answers. But yeah, it's kind of a a lot needs to go right for A and M to to have that chance in a couple of weeks. But you know, I was kind of sitting there looking at the standings, thinking they're one loss, like you said, they're one loss away from really having a chance to 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 steal one at, against Alabama at the end of the regular season. And and then if, if that ends up happening, the bubble conversation's obviously over, but the, the road is right in front of a uh, is right in front of a and M and, and you mentioned, you know, you look at Arkansas, you look at Missouri, they could really start to solidify their NCAA tournament hopes this week with both yeah. of those games. And, you know, neither is going to be an easy game at all. But if you look at, like you said, four and four and two, possibly three and three, that should put you in pretty good shape and and the opportunities are there. You just got to be able to take advantage of them. I look, I was watching in North Carolina and Miami last night and you look at bubble teams like that. They miss out on a major opportunity losing a game at home. If you're A&M games like Wednesday night against Arkansas are just such a huge opportunity to be able to bolster your resume. If you can, if you can take care of business. Now this Arkansas team you know, you could argue in some regards, A&M outplayed them. The first game just was always kind of playing from being – got off to a bad start, but you look what they did on the offensive glass. If they just make free throws, that game is probably probably a lot different. And, and obviously the, the horrid travel nightmare they had going there was, was another story. Yeah, when I look at the rest of the schedule, Arkansas-Missouri – are, are almost the least of the worries for me because yeah. Arkansas watching that game, A&M seemed a lot better than them. Like, like yeah. maybe not a lot, but they could have won that game by double digits, but I felt like yeah. A&M played way out of sorts. They, they were turning the ball over. They just, when they go on a run, they would, you know, make a lot of mistakes, missed all those free throws, lacked energy at times. So, I just looking at Arkansas's team. It wasn't like the team they had last year, where they had Note and Williams and 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 some ballers there. Missouri ain't and beat at home by eighteen. And so, I mean, I think Missouri is such a streaky team this year. They can beat anybody. They can lose to anyone. They're usually better than than they're bad. You know, they're usually they're usually more good than bad. But uh, but they have been a little streaky at some spots. Um, and then I'm not really concerned about Ole Miss, but I think the one trap game I'm looking at is Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've got a really good coach in Chris Jans. They've beaten T- TCU. They've beaten Arkansas. Uh, uh, it'll be in this two-game road trip where A&M's got to go to Ole Miss and Mississippi State back-to-back. I think that's a, a, a more tough stretch than, than we're giving credit for. And, you know, to expect – them to go two and zero, like we'll see, and then obviously the two, Tennessee and Bama game come last, and A and M hasn't seemed to play Tennessee well in recent memory, and Bama is obviously yeah. really good. So I think to me, you got to go like three and one at least uh, if you want to really compete for something uh, when it comes to Missouri, Ole Miss, and Arkansas and, and uh, Mississippi State. You can go three and one there. You're in a good spot where, you know, these other games, if you lose to Bama, you lose to Tennessee, it's not really that big. It's of a not going to, yeah. It's not going to do a lot of harm. And and to your point, I mean, Arkansas is also right now trying to fig- kind of 
figure out how to mesh um, Nick Smith back into the lineup. They've got him back and, and that could end up being a big lift down the line, but you're kind of getting them at a point where they're still trying to figure out who they are. They're still trying to figure out how to get him back into the rotation. He's got to knock off some rust, obviously a guy that's, you know, got high NBA draft pick potential, but, you know, he's he's missed quite a bit of time this season and, and you're catching him probably before he's he's gonna get into a rhythm. And and you're right. I I mean, even with as badly as AM played at times in that first Arkansas game, they were still down six, eight points with a couple minutes to go and, and had a chance to to kind of steal it. Like I said, if they could have just if they could have just uh you know, taking advantage of some opportunities at the line, maybe not have some turnovers. Tyrese Radford didn't have a great night. Wade Taylor didn't have a great night. That that one, obviously, Henry Coleman kind of helped helped kind of lift A and M in that in that one, yeah. and and didn't even get a great night. I don't think from uh, if I if I recall correctly from Julius Marble, it was kind of one of his rare off nights. So, you know, I think getting Arkansas at home certainly feels like a, a winnable game. Going to Missouri. You're right. Missouri can be very, very up and down. I think one of the things A&M did well in that game was they kept them out of transition virtually the entire way. And if you do that, Missouri becomes a very different team. So, yeah, I think I think A&M sits in a in a really good spot right now. And you know they're they've they've had some 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 puzzling losses as well. Obviously, the Wofford loss is going to continue to get brought up until the end of the year. Murray State looks like a bad bad loss as well but you know since that point since conference play started this team's been playing as well as anybody and you know if that just continues on and and they they find their rotation or they they find some some wins here down the stretch they've got their rotation locked in should i say and um they they sit in a really good spot so it's 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 buzz williams has got them clicking at the right time and um got them the way he wants them to be playing yeah, watching this team early in the year, I was kind of thinking, what is Buzz Williams doing? All these rotations, all these guys coming in, 13 guys playing. I'm thinking, what? who, who is Anderson Garcia? Like, I, I, I'm just – I'm watching this thinking, what, what, are, what is he doing? And it didn't work early on. I think they just, he just didn't have the right feel. His team, they, they weren't gelling the right way. They had a lot of transfers, had a lot of newcomers. You look at their whole team, I don't know if they've got a lot of players that have been there for longer than two years. Maybe Andre Gordon's the the only one. Andre uh, Gordon's probably the one, yeah. Yeah, and now they've figured it out. I, I think Anderson Garcia and Solomon Washington off the bench have been in really, really strong. They And they, they seem to really know which spots to bring them in. And they just bring so much energy. Watching Solomon Washington against LSU, the block that he had, that's a really fun player. It just brings a lot of energy, a lot of bounce. Buzz talks about how Anderson Garcia is a real efficient player, one of the more efficient players in the SEC. He's the kind of guy that does a lot of stuff that you don't see in the stat sheet. I think maybe where the concern is is the starting bigs that you have at A&M. Coleman went scoreless against Auburn. Marble went scoreless against LSU. They got to have those two guys doing well for this team to beat the really good teams. You want to beat Tennessee. You want to beat Alabama. 
you need your bigs to both show up. It can't be a, a, a either or uh, for you that those days. So that's going to be something I watch for. I think Wade Taylor's played a lot better lately. Radford, for the most part, uh, has had some pretty nice games recently. It's going to be up to those bigs that that kind of takes this team where they they want to go. No doubt, and you and looking at that Arkansas game, I kind of mentioned mentioned it the first time, but uh, you know, and 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 you know, had some debate about it. But A and M got zero points off their bench from that from that group, and and it feels like they're just playing so much different now. You you look at that game, and Solomon Washington was just coming back from a concussion. Anderson yep. Garcia had a rough night. Uh, you know, I expect the bench to play a lot better. And and you mentioned those two guys have just brought so much. And and game after game, you just see some of those those plays that don't show up in the stat sheet where Anderson Garcia just makes such a big difference. I'm with you. I think they need both bigs to be playing really well, and and they need them to just both have a big night and click together. They haven't. It hasn't happened a ton this this year but um you know playing at home in this sort of environment i think both guys are going to play well down the stretch and and you know ain't really needs it if they're going to get past tennessee and and alabama especially and you know they i think they'll have the advantage in the front court against against uh arkansas specifically so gonna be gonna be fun to watch none to say the least and and yeah be sure to tune in on, on wednesday night if you're not at reed arena as well um should be another fun environment until then we're, we'll be back next week to to break everything down see how these these two games go against arkansas and missouri as a reminder if you haven't done so already like and share this video and if you're listening to us on spotify and itunes give us a five-star review and subscribe there to get a notification every time a new podcast drops and enjoy the week it should be a fun fun week around around Aggie land obviously baseball gets underway this week and and that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun so um you know just a just a just a lot of a lot of a lot of good things happening around A&M right now especially on in those two sports so until then have a good week and, and we'll see you guys soon